Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create life. Create your life. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is an amazing day. Um, actually, we have an amazing guest in the studio here today. This gentleman is an HBCU grad, which I'm uh, super excited and happy to, you know, have a little bit of that that uh, conversation about. But um, he's an ad tech professional uh, from Jamaica, New York. Um, he's a startup aficionado. Watch out now. Technologist, entrepreneur, and all in all gentleman. All around gentlemen. I've actually known him, so I, I could definitely uh, attest to that. Uh, he has worked with top companies such as Indeed, Inc., as well as the largest advertising agencies on the planet. Working with New Me uh, Accelerator, he has developed and helped uh, to consult incredible minority entrepreneurs that have raised millions of dollars and also consulted small businesses as they enter the digital age. Uh, I'm talking about none other than Mr. Thomas Till. Thomas, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Hello, Create Your Life family. Really, really happy to be here. Okay, cool, man. Um, Thomas, just jumping right in. You're from uh, Jamaica, Jamaica, Queens, Southside Jamaica, Queens. You know, I, I feel like that's a neighborhood not being from New York. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like 50 Cent is like made super, super popular. Like everybody knows about Southside Jamaica, Queens now. Um, I'm sure they did before. I just wasn't knowing. Um <laughs> So that being said, you were raised with your, your mom and your dad in the house, as well as your two grandparents, your grandfather and your grandmother. Um, man, how did that how did that uh, how did that experience shape you, especially being in such a rough neighborhood uh, drug infested growing up at the time that you did? Yeah. So definitely had a, uh, a village in miles. Right. So grandpa, grandma, grandpa, great grandma at a time, little brother, mother, father. Um, all in the house at the same time in a neighborhood that, you know, notoriously the media is going to give it to you as, um, you know, really drug infested and a really terrible place to grow up. But like I always tell my friends, when you're so close to it, you don't even necessarily know that you're in like in this really, really bad like mm -hmm. area. Right. So the story really is, you know, Jamaica, New York wasn't really the worst place on earth. Right. It was a really, really um, place where uh, folks would move to once they kind of met some sort of success mm -hmm. um, like a lot of other places like Oakland um, like a lot of other places in the country once the crack epidemic, epidemic hit mm -hmm. things got really really rough so I don't really like to like glorify the negativity that happened I kind of look at it as um, just kind of a change in what was going on and I'm you know thankful for it because it allowed me to be a little bit tougher than a lot of people right as I mm -hmm. kind of move through industry and learn I mean I'm, I'm really really comfortable shaking the CEO's hand just because I mean I've met much tougher guys in the streets <laughs> so right um, that's kind of how that shaped me that's a great perspective uh, I like that you that you touched on that so 
How, who would you say were some of the biggest influences on making sure that you stayed on the straight and narrow? You know what I mean? Even though you met tougher guys, you chose not to become one. So who were some of the people that really uh, helped shape you uh, yeah, to so, make sure that you did that? I'm sorry to cut you off, but I mean, my uncles were super tough guys. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, so no one's going to mess with me because my uncles would probably do something to you, you know, that I don't want to talk about on your show. Um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, that and, you know, from the, from the positive place, my coaches uh, played basketball growing up. I'm here in New York City, one of the top kind of high school players and top 200 in the city at the time. Um, you know, no one really wanted, you know, the standouts to get into trouble. So I kind of mm-hmm. was able to steer clear of that. And, and my family all are all educators. So very important for me to maintain my education. I mean, have a really, really high GPA, really be a student athlete further than just like the kid with the crossover um, and, and that kind of shaped me pretty well. It, it creates your life family. I could attest to the crossover. <laughs> I definitely seen this guy in action when we were at Clark, and he hit a few cats. This is hesitation. It, it's it's not pretty. You don't want to be on the other end of that. I, I still got it. Don't you know? Don't let this this new shape fool you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so that being said, you 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 know your your coaches, your grandfather, uh, you know the family. They they helped to shape you. Make sure you know what I mean that you were raised in this loving and caring village. Um, man, what? How'd you get your inspiration to end up and go to a, a HBCU, man? Man, that's a funny story, and it's actually a, a pretty terrible story. From you know, getting back to South Jamaica, I went to high school, August Martin High School in in South Jamaica, um, and I only applied to one college. Okay, um, my friend Darnell, he was down at Clark, and he was playing basketball. We played AU together, and I'm like, if this kid can make the team, I'm just going to go down to Clark and make the team. And, I mean, I knew my grades were really, really high to the point where, you know, the focus for my coaches were to go Ivy League. Um, And we'll talk about it. Thankfully, I didn't do that. I'm really, really happy I went to an HBCU. But, you know, I knew I'd get accepted, had really high grades and high SAT. And I just went down to Clark and tried something new. Um, With with my family being all educators, it was a kind of natural transition to go to college anyway. Um, And it was really no, it was very unlikely for me not to get accepted to Clark. Right. And so, and you said something to me earlier that I thought was pretty cool. You said your grandmother has her master's. Yeah, my grandmother has a master's. Um, my grandfather has his degree from St. John's University. So, I mean, I don't have the, the story of um, first-generation educated when my, my younger brother is pursuing his PhD as we speak. So, mm. um, I come from a very educated family. My aunt uh, helped to create um, um, the Montessori program. Um, you know, so I come from a family of... Pretty intelligent people and, and go getters at that. You, yeah, go getters. Your, your grandfather was the principal. Yeah, at um at a school that you attended. Yeah, I went to Lewis Armstrong Elementary School in Corona, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people know my grandfather in the neighborhood and really respected him in, in Queens. As a matter of fact, I went to Elmcor, uh, which is a kind of recreational center in Queens. Yesterday, my mm-hmm. grandfather's in the Hall of Fame there. Oh um, wow! For, yeah, for, for just being like a. a, a an enforcer in the community, further than just being a gentleman, which is why, you know, I, I like to tell that I am a gentleman. That's how I was right. raised. Um, you know, he was a tough guy, uh, military guy, mm-hmm. um, and everyone respected that. He started out as um, kind of like low on the totem pole, like, right, in the school and, and was respected well enough to, you know, while I was there, be the assistant principal and, and promoted to the principal. And he decided to retire once my brother and I were, um, were finished with our elementary school. So, um, you know. Really, 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 really stand-up guy, and it's kind of where I got a lot of my focus from and and uh, understanding of you know making things work. You got me like 
torn between two things right now. <laughs> tough, I want right? to ask you. <laughs> I want to ask you. You know, um, how important do you feel the HBCU experience was in shaping you? But then I want to switch back and I want to ask. I want to highlight the fact that you built your first computer when you were ten years old. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I think that that's so important because that's a, a level of access that you know you only really see, or that's not necessarily talked about. Right. And in the book Outliers, they talk about that with like a Bill Gates. You know what I mean? And these different people who seem to stand out and do great in their fields or who have done great in their fields. Um, but there was this early level of access, accessibility right. that others didn't have. So you said that you've seen like 11 inch floppy disk. 11 and a half, yeah. 11 and a half inch <laughs> floppy disk, right. So like what is, how did you get access to computers and things like that at a, a time where I know those things were so expensive? Expensive and scarce. Um, so... My grandfather, my grandfather's actually one of those guys that didn't spend any money. He was mm-hmm. so focused on um, us, right? Making sure that my brother Chris and I, um, his daughters, his his sons were, had the access that we have today, right? So he would just go to work, come home, eat dinner, do it all over again, and make sure that we had access to the things we needed. So I was never really one of those kids that kind of wanted for anything. I will tell you this, I wasn't given anything either. Um, right. But it wasn't, you know, not a spoiled thing at all, but more of a, hey, whatever is necessary to make sure that you're successful, we'll figure out a way to make it happen. But for, as far as the computers are concerned, I mean, luckily, being an educator, um, curriculum changes, you know, and, and technology changes. So I had the opportunity to, you know, start working with computers. As soon as kindergarten hit, I was on the Apple IIe <laughs> using that new mouse and, and uh, you know, that new computer and Using those five and a quarter floppies and playing, uh, I can't think of the games right now, but I mean, I, Oregon I Trail, Oregon Trail, <laughs> Oregon Trail at five years old. I was, I mean, I had that access, and I mean, it, it, it kept on going from there to the point where I mean, my, my grandfather had me learning basic <laughs> before I was even maybe like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really basic commands. I'm not going to tell you that I wrote a program when I was 10, right? Um, but I mean, that's the kind of focus that he had, it was a lot of foresight. Um, to know that that's kind of would be where we are today. And mm-hmm. thankfully, that's kind of where my career is based on that early access that you kind of mentioned. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that you, you know, you have this person to highlight uh, your grandfather. You Definitely. know, sounds like an amazing guy. Um, that I'm sure you had a lot to do with your HBCU. You know what I mean? You selecting and going down to Clark and definitely, you know, carrying on his legacy. Um, what what do you think about the HBCU experience? How important or relevant do you think it is today? Well, I can talk about me, um, and I think it was perfect for me. Um, I think that, I mean, going to high school and and where I went to high school, Mm -hmm. I mean, right, I I go to speak at the high school when I have the opportunity to, Mm -hmm. and right now we have a graduation rate of about 33% of the senior class Mm -hmm. within four years, and I think it's slightly higher within six. Um, So it's a really, really tough place to be for those students. Um, and I think that going into an HBCU for me was the perfect way for me to not fail out of school, <laughs> right? So I was very comfortable. Mm-hmm. I was very, um, you know, happy to have great friends and meet people that uh, I was similar to. And it, it provided a comfort level that I may not have had if I would have decided to go to uh, a PWI. Um, it was a level of community a level of family that i was very used to growing up in in the neighborhood um and and having that extension once i got to atlanta was very important for me in hindsight when you're there you don't really cherish the amount of community or the level of community that that, that's there but 
I think that's the important part of that HBCU. I think that the professor that will fail you is the important part of being an HBCU because they actually care. They don't want to see you go out to the marketplace right. and be a, you know, um, you know, not succeed. Dope. Um, I want to let you know, uh, Create Your Life family, that we have people um, tuning in uh, on Facebook Live, and they are active. And I want to give a shout-out to Estelle Lett, who is actually listening from Paris, France right now. Wow. And she literally, I typed, I knew that, I'm, you know what I mean, I typed, I like, oh, where are you at? Like, where are you located? <laughs> you know, and she's like, I'm in Paris. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So shout-out to, to Estelle Lett, uh, Leroy Barr, who's saying, keep up the great work, talking to you. Thank you, Thomas. Um, we have... Uh, Dave Mack My guy Yeah <laughs> Who is definitely tuned in uh, And everybody else Ruth Ann White uh, Who Who is uh, You know On Facebook Live And going in And I want to remind y'all Y'all can also call in And talk to Thomas uh, You know we're, So far we're just You know Touching the tip of the iceberg Definitely uh, But the number here is 212-650-6903 Call and be a part of the show Don't just listen You know what I mean Be a part of it uh, so, Thomas, you, you talked about, you know, how important the HBCU experience was for you. I can honestly say for me that the, the HBCU experience um, is one that kind of shaped me. You know, I went not kind of shaped me. It completely changed the trajectory of my life. I went in a particular way and I would probably say I'm like a 1080 from when I first got there. Uh, create your life family when I went to college I had gold teeth I only wore Jordans and Air Maxes <laughs> and like all these big clothes and was just really like you know pretty much like it's whatever um, but through understanding and seeing other excellence uh, through people who look like me and having professors who cared you know I remember getting a C in English my first semester and for the life of me I just couldn't understand it. like i speak the language how right. can you do that <laughs> like it's wild and but you know it taught me an important lesson you know and i remember being in a speech class and the teacher giving me a b and she the re, and giving this other guy an a and i was like how did i not get an a it's speech class and she said because you didn't grow during the course of the class it was professor edie matter That's of fact major i remember edie yeah amazing <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's those things where it's like, you know what, he came, you know, this far, you know, and grew this much during the course. And, you know, you didn't. You rested on your laurels and just essentially um, depended upon your talent and didn't put forth the effort. Right. And it was those small lessons that you get over and over and over again at the HBCU, you know, at Clark Atlanta for us. Right. You know what I mean? That that helped to shape who I am now to even be able to be here to have this conversation with you. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And so it's definitely an experience that I think is valuable. I'll even add to that. I, my experience was to find out that I wasn't the only smart black kid in the world. Huh. Right. So for right. me to leave August Martin high school with, you know, probably the top SAT score in the, in the class, one of the rare you know, male graduates in the class, my, me, my friend Saeed, he's, you know, we're still great friends to this day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, doing really really well and i'm i'm, I'm, the, I'm the hot stuff <laughs> and right. then i come down to clark and i meet these guys that are ready to be engineers and you know um just they got it going on right and i, I mean I, i'm nobody once i get there mm -hmm. so that that was a was a shock for me and it was a a way to sit me down and get off my as i read in the clark atlanta kind of mailer to alumni get off my overprivileged high horse right. and understand that you know we got to work um, mm -hmm. just, you're not the you're not the cream of the crop, <laughs> right? And it also breeds a level of you know what? Just because you are doesn't mean that I'm not, right? So there's that you know that opportunity to become of excellence or rise to a different level of occasion, right? And then you start to see people. Like for me, what was really eye opening, like 
my roommate was from Cleveland. I never met anybody from Cleveland. <laughs> so the questions that I had were so naive or narrow-minded, but you get the opportunity to explore. Like, I never met anybody. I think we were talking about this before. I never met anybody from New York. So just the difference in our cultures is just like, what is happening, yeah. right? And then you meet team you have teammates. Remember Kobe, he's seven feet. He's from Ghana. Never met anybody from Ghana. You got other wow, people from France. Kobe, wow. Right, so you have all of these people from all these different places, and it's like, whoa, man, this is a whirlwind of experiences, but all these people from all these different places look like you. Because right. a lot of times it's like uh, scratching your head, like, okay, well, you know, when you think of France, you don't think that anybody... You know what I mean? At at that time, you know what I mean? You didn't necessarily see a lot of people of color uh, in the movies and things like that. So, Which also lends to your network at this point, right? So right. I know as we travel across the country and, and beyond, we can land almost anywhere and say, hey, you know, who's here? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, have a place to stay and a good meal and understand the, the, the landscape and have a way better opportunity or, or, or feeling when I land in these different cities. That and also being able to have a deeper than surface conversation. Definitely. You know, being able to really say, hey, you know what? You know, tell me a little bit more about this. You know what I mean? There was civil war in this particular part. I right. watched this movie. You know, how do we have that? Um, you know, one big thing that happened for me was is that I, I have randomly watched this documentary about um, India. And so, you know, they used to have the caste system there. And so there's yeah. a group of people there called the untouchables, right, where they're from a particular part of the country. And it's like people won't touch them. Wow. Right. And so I ran into one of my, my friends, uh, Ian, and he and I were having a conversation. And so, you know, I brought it up to get more context and just to be more, uh, you know, to understand more about the culture and right. stuff. So being able to have that as that reference point, because at this point, curiosity is my thing. Definitely. So I just want to know more about this. I want to ask this particular question to people who have these different walks of life. But being able to to have that conversation uh, from a non-offensive uh, right. standpoint with, with is family. huge. Right. <laughs> yeah, with family. Right. Exactly. It is huge. And, man, I, I just have to say that, you know, thank you, Clark Atlanta, for that. Because, you know, having went and studied abroad and being able to meet people like yourself and like these other people who we run into, you know, we get to understand what excellence is of people that look like us and what excellence is of the world. Right. So No, absolutely. And it's exciting. I mean, every day, you know, we can just kind of look at the privilege that we've kind of been given. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that I'd have the same trajectory if I didn't have that point of view that you kind of described just now. Right. And so we, we talked a little bit about the HBCU experience, how you feel that, um, you know, it shaped you. Yeah. I shared a little bit about mine. Can you talk to me about you graduate when you graduated from Clark. Yeah. I know you said that you felt that you weren't prepared, um, but you said that you feel like that was primarily because you didn't have your game plan together. That's all me. Yeah. So. You know, because I'm, I'm used to, or at that point, and take it back to high school, right? I was just used to being the smart, smartest kid in the room, um, the most charismatic, handsome guy. You know, things just came really, really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, you know, once once college is over, um, you know, I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to walk into Coca-Cola, and they're just going to be wild by my charisma, and I'm just going to probably make $150,000 a year. That wasn't the reality at all, right? So, okay. I mean, I needed to figure out a way to make things happen, and I ended up working in a mailroom my first job out of college um, at the American Arbitration Association in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, my charisma kind of and my intelligence kind of moved me forward, and I ended up, you know, working in finance there for a little bit of time. But um, I was ill-prepared because I was just kind of too cool for myself. Um, mm. Luckily, I removed that, um, you know, at this point in my life, or I guess for the past 10 years at a, at a minimum. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, Clark definitely prepared me 
to or HBCUs in general prepare you to be polished. Um, right. You know, I remember in school having uh, being told, you know, to go back to my dorm room and get another tie because this was, this wasn't appropriate, right. right? And then that allowed me to interview well and um, continue to you know make moves forward. So, uh, what's your grandfather's name? Thomas, just like me. Okay, so I see a little bit of Thomas in you because you said uh, before that he had started at the bottom in the community, yeah. and then he worked his way up. So Definitely. I'm seeing the, the parallels of his work that he instilled in you. In terms of getting out of your own way yeah. and and moving forward, removing your ego, can you give us, you know, let's say the top three things that you felt like you needed to do in order to remove your ego so that you can actually move forward and not depend on your laurels and your good looks and yeah. all these things. No, definitely. I think the number one thing is, and, and thank you for the compliment, <laughs> um, but I, I think the number one thing is really understanding where I want to be and understanding that, that nothing in between should stand in that way, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's the number one thing that allowed me to get over myself, Um setting that goal the other thing is I'm, I'm just super competitive right so once you pass me like I have to figure out a way to catch up okay <laughs> so being competitive and keeping that competitive spirit that competitive nature very important for me to kind of get out of my own way mm-hmm. um, and then I guess for three it's, it's, I'm not sure I even prepared to really answer that question but just being natural and in, in, in responding to it so would you say authenticity yeah still just, being Thomas yeah just just Maintaining me, I, mean, I think that the most important thing for me to do as a black professional cool guy is to let someone else know that you can be cool and black and succeed and not, you know, you don't have to be someone you're not. And I think that's been at the forefront of, of the way I've uh, approached just life in general. Mm-hmm. Right? It's important for me to when I'm when I go speak at the school, right, right. At, at my high school. It's important that my jeans are ripped. <laughs> it just is, right? I want you to be able to speak to me on, on your level. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be as cool as you because you're 15, <laughs> but, right. you know, I want you to be able to to approach me, and I think that's very important. I think people will respond to that. I think that's the charisma we're talking about mm-hmm. um, that I that I thought would take me all the way. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's still a piece that you need in order to um, navigate you know, different environments. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I love that. So speaking of, of that, navigating different environments, you're uh, intentional, right? And sometimes uh, situations may come to you. Uh, can you talk about uh, the experience that you had uh, with uh, Angela Benton and, and oh, LinkedIn man. and all of that? Can you give us that, that story? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is like one of them. It's actually probably one of the highlights of my career from a, from a personal place. Mm-hmm. So I remember, um, and Angela listens to this, she probably laugh. I remember, like, wow, I'm at, I'm at Living Social at the time. I'm being flown down into D.C., and I'm going through the training at Living Social. And I see this this woman, uh, this black woman on CNN that is speaking my language, right? Her, her level of charisma identified with me, right? Okay. Um, and I'm like, man, what I would do to work with her, <laughs> you know? How, how do I get in front of this person, Right. And maybe two years later, I get a, a message on LinkedIn and says, you know, you know, I'd like to chat. So we talk and she says, yeah, I see you have some startup experience because I've worked with a couple kind of tech startups by that time. And I'm excited and we talk. And two weeks later, I have a, a, a full-time job with Lumi Accelerator and I'm working with these amazing entrepreneurs. And when I say amazing, I'm not saying that um, this entrepreneur was you know, ready to create the new the new Facebook. 
this was someone that was in Gulfport, Mississippi, that doesn't have access to technology as a, you know, not like I have here in New York where I can just go to a, an accelerator or, or some sort of like um, uh, technology school and learn these things. I mean, this person's in Mississippi. This person's in Ghana. This person's in um, anywhere across the world where there is a, a divide, right? So we know we have Silicon Valley, Silicon Alley. But this is before we had like Silicon Bayou, <laughs> you know, mm. um, and I had the opportunity to work with these entrepreneurs and help them from the th- with the things that they needed help with. Um, things that I took for granted that I knew from from my kind of working with startups and, and also that I knew from kind of growing up in tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, that was one of the best opportunities that I've had. I'm still excited by it. I'm still excited when I see some of the entrepreneurs that I had a little bit of uh, opportunity to, to help with their with their products and services. Um still succeeding to this day so mm-hmm. no that was that was one of my uh happiest moments so and in, in that right so you said two years later you saw her on cnn you went down to dc you're working at a particular company yeah and you go then two years later you get the the, the opportunity in that time frame <laughs> what are some of the things no because this is super important because yeah. earlier you talked about the fact that you know you have to get out of your own way and in yeah. that there's a sense of entitlement and oftentimes the entitlement hurts us what are some of the things that you had to do specifically in order to push yourself forward? Because a lot of times it's the work that you're not asked to yeah. do that puts you and sets you up for an experience like when Angela Benton calls you that you're ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I'll tell you exactly. Or some kind of courses that you might, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's actually perfect, right? So while I was at my first tech startup, so the first tech startup I worked with um, was acquired by Guild Group. I was there as the first or second, depending on who walked in the office the what first day. What was the day, company? Uh, Buy With Me, Inc. Um, okay. So I walked in there, first person on, on the business development team mm-hmm. that they hired. If, if, you, if you probably don't, most people probably don't know what that's like, but in a tech startup, you get a couple million dollars and you need to take that couple million dollars and grow really, really big, really, really fast. Right. So we grew from me to 100 people in less than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, understanding how difficult that is, how many sleepless nights there are, Really, really tough. While I was doing that, I had I had the the thought process that I need to learn further than what I'm learning here mm-hmm. at this startup. So, what I would do is I'd work with small businesses with the intention of learning, not with the intention of making money. Mm-hmm. I, I made money, obviously, because that's just kind of the guy that I am. But I had the intention of, hey, what do I not know how to do, and how can I learn it? And the best way to learn it is by applying it. Um, so I had that opportunity during that time. As far as kind of conversing with Oh, so as time goes on, I'm doing this. I'm running my business. I'm still working full time. I decided that I'm going to step away, and I joined this um, uh, career accelerator mm-hmm. called the uh, Startup Institute. Right, so spent my own money. Went to SINY, and I learned technical marketing um, while I wasn't working. Um, luckily, I still had my business running, so I was able to use that money to afford to go to the program. And also stay afloat and not live like a college student while I'm in this program for 12 weeks. So right. I had the definite intention to learn while I was working, take some more time to get a formal education when I was doing. And then just, I'll even almost call it by happenstance, um, I have this person that I've been wanting to work with all this time reach out to me because I set myself up with the knowledge, set myself up on socials, set myself up with kind of just all of this education. And it was just the right place at the right time. Um, I can even tell you that I probably wouldn't be prepared if I didn't take those steps. Mm, I like that. So you stopped working, yeah. took the course, yeah. and then this opportunity kind of just came through. Yeah. I mean, at that time, the course is to tell you to get a job. <laughs> right, right, you right. Know? And I'm, I'm telling everyone there, like, you know, 
I kind of like my business the way it is right now. I'm making money, and I, but I do need this education so I can further help my clients, right? So I, I didn't have an intention of working with anyone. Um, and, and when you're saying your business, you, you quit your main job, started your own company, and then took the course at the same time and then start working for the... Yeah, so I, I've been freelancing. I was started freelancing with my first startup. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was freelancing, um, you know, I moved forward and then I stopped freelancing and started working full time mm-hmm. as, as Influence Media. Um, and during that time, I was able to go ahead and um, uh, start working on a startup institute or start taking those courses because I'd already created um, enough of a business that I can move forward. Okay. Cool. Well, man, thank you so much for breaking that down. When we come back, dude, we are going to seriously have some chats about uh, your business, what you've done with Influence uh, Media, uh, and some of the other companies that you work with. So cool. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, beautiful people, you have the opportunity to call in and chat with Thomas, even if you're here in the States, if you're on the East Coast, West Coast, down South, up North with us, or if you're all the way out there uh, in Paris uh, still, you know, please give us a shout. Uh, call in 212-650-6903. The country code is plus one. Uh, here's Redemption This is from the Black Panther soundtrack Shouts out to Killmonger Beautiful people This is the Create Your Life series I'm your host Kevin Y. Brown And we are back We actually have a caller on the line Caller, caller Are you there? I'm here <laughs> Okay uh, Please um, You know Give us Let us know You know Your name Where you calling from And you know How you enjoying the show so far Alright So I'm Steele I'm calling in from Paris Um I'm going to say I do appreciate you guys both sharing your experiences. Um, Thomas, in particular, I was, uh, my grandparents had a big part in my life, and they both were educators, so it was nice to see you share that story. Mm-hmm. And uh, just thinking about accessibility and the, the things that, they, that were provided to you and, and how you've used that to keep movement and building is amazing. So um, I really appreciate that. Something... And something that I've been thinking about and I've been noticing in Paris, or, or honestly in my travels, is when I run into somebody that's from Africa and they ask me where I'm from, I say, uh, I'm from California, and that feels weird. Do you guys have that same experience? Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely interesting, but there's, like, this sense of, like, community and, like, peace, you know, when you have that conversation and you meet people from other places. Like, it's a, it's like a instant understanding that, yo, we're both from the diaspora and, you know, it's all good. Have you been experiencing that? Hmm? I said, have you been experiencing that in Paris? I have, I have. Um, you know, I was just at uh, Versailles, and the, and the guy's like, you look like you're from Senegal, and I'm like, possibly. Mm, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that would be nice to know. But um, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I like can really tell you it's California, but um, it kind of dawned on me in Rome, you know, when I had some people asking me, hey, where are you from? Just then I'm like, California, and I'm like, uh, that doesn't even sound right, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like African ancestry is going to be coming to your home real soon. You're going to have to take the test? Uh, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I trust it. Who's doing it? Is. <laughs> but, um, but now you guys, are having a, um, you guys are having a great little episode there, so I appreciate uh, watching it. No, definitely appreciate you. Even uh, from here. Definitely appreciate you taking the time out. You had to match the times up and everything, get your time zones <laughs> right. So appreciate you right, for that. Right, right. <laughs> definitely appreciate you for that. All right, well, is there anybody that you want to shout out um, while you live on the air? Nah, not at all. You guys keep doing what you're doing. Okay, will do. Thank you so much for calling in. All right, All right, have a good one. All right, so beautiful people, as you hear, you know, man, Thomas, how do you feel, bro? That's our first caller from from Paris, you know what I mean, to, you know, really call and touch it down. 
That's cool. I feel like I'm uh, on the yard right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you famous. You <laughs> famous now, you know, international. <laughs> um, so one of the things that you said uh, before we left and, and went to the break was that, you know, you were running your own company. Yeah. Um, you know, Influence Media. Uh, what is the goal of Influence Media? What exactly uh, is it that you... Yeah, uh, so, that's what I'll do. so I still loosely run influence. Um, the the goal, like I said earlier, was to learn. Right, the goal mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily to create this large profitable business. Right, if that happened because I made all the right decisions, it did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but the goal was to align me um, or, or prepare me for uh, the next steps of my career. It mm-hmm. just happened to be a pretty long uh, time that I was running the company because I needed to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really the goal. And I'm happy that you touched on that. So there's a couple things that that um, that come to mind, right? You've been quoted saying that, um, you know, if someone wants to be in tech, then you have to have something on your own, meaning like a business or something like that, because you need a proven track record. Yeah. So so some of the best advice that I ever got, um, and actually back to my grandfather again, right? He's definitely like the person that's given me most of my direction. Um, he gave me this this advice that I need to have. But I don't know the right term to use in like not tech words, but I'll call it. I'll say what you say in tech to have like a, a CEO stack, right? So to understand all the different parts of a business, so that you can converse the way that a CEO would. Most of your CEOs in tech have um, some business development experience. They have some technical experience, some product experience, some creative experience. All these little things they have touched on, so that they can have the conversation with all these different functions within the business. Um, so. Working in my own my, on my own allowed me to have all those have to learn how to do all those different things. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking to work in tech, um, you you know you need that credibility um, and saying that you started something on your own. A to really fit within the culture because everyone else has done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but B so that you can have a proper conversation about something that you don't even necessarily know how to do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. And I guess it, it makes me think about the fact that, you know, you worked in tech before, then you went out on your own, then now you're back into yeah. uh, back into the corporate uh, world now uh, working. And I'll be excited too, right? So I don't, I, I never want to paint this like picture of, um, you know, like failure, right? So I feel like this was, like you said earlier, very intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than that, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something I'm passionate about. Yeah. And I think that's the most important part. Okay. Makes sense. Um, so now you're in the ad tech space. Um, what do you feel like the difference between ad tech and regular advertising is? Can you shed some light for us on that? Yeah, so we're all moving into uh, the technical parts of advertising, right? So, you know, what it used to be is we used to work um, with advertising where it was a catch-all kind of method, right? A mm-hmm. uh, method of say, hey, you know, I want to present this message and everyone's going to get the same message, right? Mm-hmm. Um, TV, right? So the, the BMW commercial shows up to you and, you pro- you know, people are not necessarily like a BMW buyer. Um, in ad tech nowadays, I can establish that you are a potential BMW driver mm-hmm. and I will send you tons of BMW ads on your phone, on your right. computer, Targeting on your TV. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the difference between traditional and what we're learning now is more of a one-to-one conversation okay and so let's say for a small to medium-sized business that doesn't that can't afford the the rates of a company that you um that you work for now what are some of the things that they can do that we can do in order to maximize our exposure and our reach yeah it's it's really simple and hopefully everyone's giving the same advice facebook (laughs) okay um facebook because they have a platform that is very 
Um, I won't say simple because everyone has different like kind of like levels of, of understanding. Um, but what I will say is they have kind of the the uh, the most simple platform that you can use to highly target your audience mm-hmm. and you know not spend a lot of money doing so. Okay. Um, now what I want to do is I actually want to kind of switch modes and I want to jump into the dolphin tank. Cool. So my yes. question to you is: Is can you swim? Um, I mean, I swim. I swim with the sharks. Oh, well, I guess you know the dolphin <laughs> take is nothing for this guy. Okay, question number one: What are your goal sell- setting methods, and how do you measure them? Yeah, so I measure it, and this is going to sound pompous, but I'll, I'll just be honest with you: mm-hmm. I measure it by my bank account, um, okay, by watching it, and on a quarterly basis, weekly basis, and um, I make sure that I set those goals. Right, I think it's very important mm-hmm. from a legacy standpoint mm-hmm. to you know, to. to Acquire finances mm-hmm. um, and assets. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the way I do it. I just checking that bank account and make sure that I'm hitting my goals. Okay. Um, what is the top tech that you're using to make sure that your life um, is, is going great and that you're using at your company to make things uh, run smoothly for yourself? The top piece of tech right now? Mm-hmm. Evernote. Ah, <laughs> uh, got you. Expound upon it. Um, Evernote is essentially um, your old composition notebook or journal you used to write in. Mm-hmm. But done digitally with tags and search methods so i take a lot of notes do a lot of learning and the way i need to learn is i need to go back and review (laughs) so i you know i'll sit in a meeting with a client or with uh within a meeting within the workplace and take several notes and come back home or sit on my commute and read over that stuff and and try to become as close to an expert as i can gotcha favorite quote or model that you live by Find a way to make one. I love it. Find a way to make one. I love it. Okay. Um, favorite or most impactful book that you've read? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. Mm, when did you read it? Why um, is that the favorite? My favorite. So I wasn't much of a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stephen Covey came to Clark. And he um, he did a speech at Clark or mm-hmm. had a conversation at Clark. Mm-hmm. And his description of how to approach things was so simplistic that I learned to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part of the book was um, there's a space in between stimulus and response, and that space is the right to choose. And it allowed me to be a very even-keeled person, remove any frustrations that I have, mm-hmm. because at the moment that I'm deciding, or the moment that, I, see, I use the word decide, right? Mm-hmm. The moment that I could fall off the handle, I understand it's a decision whether I need to or not. Mm. And that allowed me to really navigate in a different way. Oh, man. I I like that. I like that a lot. I want to give a shout-out to LaVonda Larks. Oh, love uh, it. Yeah. She's <laughs> on there. She's saying, hey, friends. What's up, lovey? Uh, Dana LaSille Bobbitt is saying hi. Uh, Tiana Gray, Janine Jones, Sheikha Jones, uh, Danielle Denisha. I mean, we got people on here. They, they tuning in, man. They love you. I love them. They love you. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, definitely uh, one of a... The, this is one of the most important questions on the show. Cool. Nobody can escape the show without asking this question, answering this question. Okay. You, you shouldn't build it up that way because now I'm nervous. Are you nervous? <laughs> you, you too smooth, man. You, remember, you're the cool dude with the rip, rips in the jeans. I try so my best. It's all good. <laughs> um, three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. Hmm. Definitely be yourself, your, your authentic self. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Um, reflect. Look back. Things that you didn't realize happened, happened. And you were too close to it to understand that it happened. 
um, really look back and, and learn from those things that you've already encountered. Um, and this may be because I'm, you know, because my wife's in the studio, uh, and also because we just recently got married almost a year ago. Congratulations. Um, thank you. But, but find someone, right? Find someone that you can confide in, especially as an entrepreneur, someone that you can get your thoughts out of your head because you will go crazy. Kev, you know this. You won't sleep at night. You'll lose your mind thinking about the next way to close that next deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding someone that can just listen, even if they don't understand, um, I think that's a very important piece of the puzzle. Okay. So uh, thank you for answering that. What's up next for you? Ah, oh, man. So working on a documentary. Okay. Uh, myself, Kareem Myers, working on a documentary. Uh, we haven't titled it yet mm-hmm. um, because we're, we're, I won't say we're at the beginning stages because we made some strides and in interviews and we've gone pretty far, pretty deep. And it's pretty good. Basically, um, it came from a necessity in my life mm-hmm. to have that mentor, have that big homie, I like to say. And we created this doc or we're creating this doc with the idea that there's another guy like me that needed someone to talk to when he needed to understand how do I know this is the woman I want to marry? How do I know this is the job I want to take? How do I know that if I should still live in New York City, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about the way we navigated it within our careers. Um, and hopefully we can be that big homie to someone else. Uh, I love that. I'm also Abstract Square Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so myself, Chad Bennett, Brian, Fa- Brian Frazier, Saeed McLean, um, we're create a podcast and we're basically discussing um, things that happen in, you know, this urban professional life um, from the from the point of view of 30 somethings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's really, really interesting, really, really racy, really, really cool, laid back and, you know, something you want to. Uh, kind of listen to and have a drink, have a drink with, and, and really relax. Okay. Um, so you can find that on iTunes um, and every other place right now where podcasts are found. So I'm excited for um, anyone to take a listen to that, and hopefully, Kev, you can drop a link somewhere on your socials and like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll cool. definitely drop a link. That's not a problem at all. Okay. So how do we keep in contact with you? Yeah. So um, I'm 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 not too social. I'm uh, <laughs> I try to. <laughs> Lies. It's actually well, not too social when it comes to. Uh, the internet, but uh, it was with intention, right? Yeah. Um, so kind of like the the uh, the thought that I don't want to kind of oversaturate myself and be, kind of be the silly person. Mm-hmm. Um, my posts are going to be posts that mean something. Yeah. Um, so um, TWTL, T-W-T-E-E-L, mm-hmm. um, across all socials, and um, that, that's where folks can find me. That's amazing when you get to have your own name. I love it. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens when you're an early adopter. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, so now we have officially entered the turnaround. Okay. And what the turnaround is is that you have the opportunity to ask me any questions uh, that you want to. So um, the floor is yours. Create your life family. You know how this goes. This means that Thomas is in charge. I, we haven't scripted these questions. So whatever comes out of his mouth is I have to answer. So... Let's see what sure he gives want, us. Are you sure you want to do this? I don't really, because I, <laughs> I, I, I know you, but at the same time, you know what I mean? I got to give, you know what I mean? Got to be consistent for the family, so. Well, that, that's a perfect lead-in. So my, my first question is, how many questions do I get a chance to ask? Uh, you got time, brother. You All got right. Time. So my first question is, uh-huh. um, so I believe you're now celebrating your second year anniversary? Yeah, yeah. We just, we just hit two years. Yep. What do you attribute your consistency to? Man, I can I contribute it uh, to a few things actually. Uh, number one, put put my butt on the line and put the goal out there publicly. I would say that's that's huge. Love that. Um, I contributed a lot of you know what I mean. My drive to my upbringing and never wanting to be back in that place. Right. Uh, so those those are two things that definitely drive me. But also just the 
the funny idea that I feel like you can literally create the life that you want if you're willing to put the work in. So just literally being like, oh, you know what? You know, before we started, before we got in the studio, whatever, I'm like, yo, the show's going to be on Sirius XM in two years. Like, I don't care. Right. And then going after it because you know that, you know what I mean? It's just stuff just starts aligning, man. And the consistency is what gets you the catalog, which then gets you to be able to have those conversations and be prepared for it, right? Because, like, let's say, you know, four years ago or something like that, I wouldn't have been ready to be consistent in the studio and be here, you know what I mean, when it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's, you know, holidays and things like that, you know, so that's that's been huge. That's cool. I love that. Um, So I'm familiar with one of your big homies. Okay. And, I mean, how, how do you feel about mentorship and how that's kind of placed you with some of this mindset? Um, which, which big homie are you talking? Moffitt. Moffitt, yeah. Um, I mean, I could talk about him for an extended period of time, but I could talk about just mentorship, period. I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for mentors. And I think that you have the opportunity to learn from anybody. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I remember being young and, you know, my neighborhood like yours was heavily drug infested. And, you know, there's a lot of not positive things going on around there. But I remember... Um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I remember a drug addict saying something to me and my friends. We were hanging, we were walking and just hanging around, just being silly. And he said something to us about sickness. And he was talking about basically defeating sickness and uh, basically making sure that your body's a temple. And so with that, what I understood was, is that, you know what I mean? You can't judge a person for where they are right now in this moment, right? Right. Because they could have been somebody like huge or, or, you know, important and have this wealth of knowledge prior to where they are now. And so for there, we call it game back home. And so it's like you can get game from anybody, right? And the thing about life is, is if life is a game, you know, you definitely don't want to take, you don't want to take shortcuts in terms of not doing the work, but you definitely want to be able to learn from others' experiences and get the game from them so that then you can, you know, maybe do some hopping. Right. Not take the shortcuts, but do some hopping around and be able to, to dodge some obstacles. And so from that, then, you know what I mean? I was very lucky uh, to have, I would say mentors from the other side of the tracks who really showed me what um, what life could be like. Like my, my principal, Mr. Tony Gross, I used to um, I used to like his daughter and I used to hang out. <laughs> Sounds but, like you, Kev. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, but I, I used to hang out with her and her friends. So, I mean, it was, you know, strictly platonic. We're kids, but I used to go to their house. Right. On like Wednesdays, we get out of school. And so it was me, her and our other two friends. And we would hang out and just sit there and just like chill and just talk and stuff like that. But when I'm over there. They have a, a study. I've never seen a study, a library. Mm-hmm. Their house is peaceful. It's not a lot going on, you know what I mean, up and down the street. Um, and there's, like, there's a food in the refrigerator. She doesn't have to ask permission to go into the refrigerator. There's all these different things. And so it's like exposure, like, oh, man, this is what life could be like. You know what I mean? And so then I'm learning. And so, you know, he did, he knew it. But, you know what I mean? I'm going up to him and I'm asking him different questions about right. life. And so my curiosity is being sparked. So mentorship, when I got to college, uh, Moffitt, you know what I mean? It, he he changed the trajectory. I was like a little moth. Like Cass yeah. was teasing me like at one point. I was like still in his swag. But it was like, yo, I needed to, yeah, you know what I mean, try to figure it out. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yo, where I'm from. He, as a matter of fact, he's the person that told me, oh, you need to be as fly in your dress clothes as you are when you're in those Jordans and Air Maxes. Because if it wasn't for him, I was like, look, man, you know, you just put on the size, you I know. I thought he was going to say he needs to be as fly as Thomas and Ja. That's real. <laughs> I'm not going to hold you, bro. Like, you you definitely, you've always been fly. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to hold you. <laughs> you know, not to even boost your ego, but you, you've definitely Thank always you, been man. fly. Appreciate and that. your whole clique, you know, Andy, Gene, Kareem, 
Like y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all, <laughs> y'all do your thing. And so it's like y'all have these these memorable uh, personalities that I feel like even now, you know, us as men, you know, all being friends and stuff like that, it's all love when we see each other, but definitely being able to have that influence on others who come from similar backgrounds um, and who are looking for similar things in life. Right. right? And I think that education really helps to, to uh, build that bridge and, and to, um, to help you because, like you said, you know, you come from a, a, a different uh, family structure, right. but at the same time, because we have this common experience in education and in being black men, you know, we can have this dialogue, and it's not like, oh, you know what, I'm tougher than you, or this, that, or the other. It's not like, yo, man, it's peace. It's about, it's about progression. Yeah, absolutely. But just coming to that to that level of understanding, I think that mentorship for me is definitely played that even you know sitting down and having a proper family meal like for me where the dad is at the table and you know you're sitting across from somebody and stuff like that that came from a mentor mind i never had that at home you know what i mean in my house we don't have any children but i i I have to sit at the head of the table Mm -hmm. because that's the way i was raised with someone at the head of the table and Mm -hmm. it's 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 protocol and why should i change these things that were Mm-hmm. successful to a certain extent right. right so i think that's really important to to understand how important that is mm. see now i'm like itching because i want to ask you a question you know you're <laughs> newly married and stuff like that but uh i'll you know you got the floor man so I'll, I'll let you go um man i was so into your response i didn't really think of um so one of my big things i'm, I'm big on listening yeah, so I, I was totally listening to you and didn't think of a question um man I, i'm actually interested in in i mean you've been here for a while now right mm-hmm. but what kept you here in new york city um i'm gonna be honest with you man new york city kicked my butt when i got here i know you know (laughs) um it was different like i lived in london so i thought you know i was ready nah this is a different beast so i actually you know for a period of time i thought that it had the best of me and i couldn't go out like that but i think also the energy um and New York is really one of those places, in my opinion, you know, where if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. But to be able to say that you made it here is a, is an accomplishment. And I think that you have to stick with it. And, you know, when it's time, you'll know that it's time because, you know, it's, New York is one of those places where it's like, oh, you know what? If you say you'll do one year, you'll do three. If you say you do three, you'll do five. Five turns into seven. I'm look, July 3rd will be 10 years for me. Wow. You know, and I'm You're like, a New Yorker. I know, uh, you, I know you don't want to admit it, but I know I don't want to admit it. And I was actually having this debate with a friend, whatever. Like you know more about and you know how to navigate and get around New York than you probably do, you know, the Bay Area because it's changed so much. And I was just like, wow, you know, I had never thought about that. And they were saying it like trying to get at me because you know I'm like big, like you know I'm from Vallejo, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know my city; it ain't changed that much, but. What they were saying about being able to navigate the different cities and things like that was actually true, you right. know, because I've been gone since I was 18. Um, and so that was interesting because I would equate, you know, every borough to a different city. Right. Right. Which, of course, it is. Um, and so that's the same thing like in the Bay, you know, being able to navigate from San Francisco to right. Oakland to Richmond, you know, totally I mean, Hayward, stuff like that. totally <laughs> different places. But I know how to get to wherever I'm going in, in Queens. I know how to get to wherever I'm going in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? I'm familiar right. with the train stops and stuff. And so. um yeah, I would say that. And then also what I also realized is, is that I feel like I grew up on the East Coast. Right? You Why? know what I mean? Why? Because I went to school in Atlanta. Gotcha. Right? And then from Atlanta, then I came up here. I've been out here for the last 10 years. So let's say I did decide to move to California. My network and the nucleus of people that I've known and that I've built these like really like in-person relationships with right. are here versus like when I go home, you know, I know a couple people. But the majority of people that I know right. aren't doing what I'm doing because we left off in high school. And so right. the ones who would be doing something similar, they don't live there anymore. Well, I actually have that same experience, and I'm mm-hmm. from New York. 
where mm, I won't. Um, my network that I developed um, is very different than those that I kind of grew up with. <laughs> so yeah. I, I won't necessarily. Um, while I'm never gonna not go back to the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, I, I professionally it's just not. It's probably what you would experience in Vallejo just as well. Yeah, and and I think that's the beauty of it, man, is being able to have these. I, I, again, I always go back to the conversations. You know, you can have these conversations with people. You know, I, I probably, had it not been for Clark and been for education, I probably would have never had the luxury to sit across from you. It's not luxury, man. I'll consider it a luxury, bro. I'll consider you. you be a, you, I think you're a good guy, you know what I mean? And to be around good guys um, who, you know, have your best in, in, interest, uh, I, feel, I feel like that's a luxury. You know, it's definitely a necessity, but it's a luxury to have, you know, something to be cherished. It's also my duty. Right, to be a gentleman and to be a stand-up guy for another black man and make sure that we all have the best we can have for each other. Hey, and that's your grandfather speaking, right? Thomas the Thomas. Yeah, I think so. See? It, it just, <laughs> man, iron just sharpens iron, bro. Definitely. And if you're not sharpening, you're rusting. That's a, a quote from Eric Fondren, who's a who's a regular uh, guest contributor on the CEO Talk segment here cool. uh, on the station. So, yeah, I do have a question um, for you. Uh, being that you're newly married, uh, something that you talked about, which I thought was really important um, before we got on air, was your decision to go back into the corporate market. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about why you decided to do that and what somebody you feel like, you know, I mean, what's necessary and needs to be in place in order to be able to sustain a marriage or, you know. Yeah, and I'll even get a little personal. Right. So in my household, when finances weren't right, my mom was frustrated. Mm hmm. She was she was not happy, and you know, to see uh, my girlfriend at the time go through any frustrations like that wasn't something I was prepared to do. Mm-hmm. Right, so these are the most important women in my life: mom, girlfriend at the time. I'm not prepared to see you frustrated over finances. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the that's probably the thing that would hurt my feelings the most would be to be would be to see her hurt over money. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know from Taking all that time and being uh, selfish with with my career and mm-hmm. learning um, with my own business, mm-hmm. um, I definitely went out there and said, "Hey, you know," um, Takia said, "You know, let's have a destination wedding so we can save some money." I said, "No, let's do exactly what you want. I'll figure it out." Right. Mm-hmm. So I ran my business, worked a full time job, and got back into the, into the workplace and had a very kind of a lot more stable situation than when I was just kind of uh, working for myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important that when you're making that next step and you're bringing someone along with you, mm-hmm. um, that you need to be fina- fin- financially stable. Um, and I think that's a, a very important piece when you're making that next step. All right. I'm about to put you on the spot because your wife is here in the studio. Let's go for it. What's like, you know, three things that made you feel like, you know what, Takia is the one. I'll flip that on his head. She's smiling. She's smiling. (laughs) Well, I'll flip that on his head. And this is advice that I would give someone. um, When you're looking for that person to spend the rest of your life with, I don't think you'd look for for someone that is necessarily the one. I think for you, look look for the person that you just can't live without. Mm. And I think it's, they're one and the same kind of thing. But like, how would my life be? um, And I mean this, right? Not because she's here, but I, how would my life be if she did not exist in my life was what I needed to internalize before I said, hey, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's A number one. Um, the, the rest of the stuff is simple, right? We're talking about like be with or be without. I'd rather be with, right? Mm-hmm. But the rest of the stuff is pretty, uh, 
you know, can she cook? Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's pretty important to me. Um, and, and does she have patience? Because as you know and I know, um, you know, being in this, you know, up and down kind of uh, hustle, we'll call it, mm-hmm. you need somebody to ask some patience because there are some trials and tribulations of being a black man. Got you. I love it, man. Uh, dude, thank you so much. She's over here. She's smiling. You know, she she, she I really approves. see that, so that's good. Yeah, she approves that, <laughs> that answer. And she's not saying nothing. She's like, I'm going to be nice to you because you're on air right now. Um, <laughs> it's but, almost man, dinner time, too, so. True. <laughs> Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 Create your life.